0: Welcome to HEP Talks. I'm Luke Kemper, and for this episode, I went to Roland Hill Nursery School and Children's Center, which received an outstanding grade from Ofsted on its most recent inspection. I wanted to see what an outstanding early years provision looks like and how the school fostered such a successful and joy-filled environment for its students. So I read the Ofsted report and set off to meet with Sean McDermott, the headteacher at Roland Hill. Sean kindly took me around the school, where I saw children playing and learning with equal vigour. The following is the conversation we had about Roland Hill and its outstanding Ofsted grade. Lauren, should we do some singing? What,
1: what kind of song should we sing next? Spider-Man can. I don't know, I know that song can teach me.
0: Welcome to Have Talks. I'm Luke Kemper here with Sean McDermott, head teacher at Roland Hill Nursery School and Children's Centre. Sean, thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, Luke. It's lovely to talk to you today.
0: So, first of all, thank you for showing me around Roland Hill. I really enjoyed the the tour that we had, and I appreciate that. I will be sending out some pictures and um, hopefully some, some audio from the school to kind of complement this podcast. But before we get into more about the school, can you maybe just introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Yeah, I'm Sean McDermott. I'm the head teacher here at Roedentil Nursery School and Children's Centre. I've been here for three years. Um, it's been a really good three years been difficult at times with the pandemic. However, um, yeah, we've come out the other side and uh, it's 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 a great place to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that has been proved by your recent <laughs> uh, outstanding Ofsted report. So congratulations for that, first of all. Thank you. And um, yeah, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is kind of uh, focused on that. And um, I think it would be interesting for other heads other teachers and other uh nursery school heads to listen to this and um figure out how did you guys get outstanding (laughs) so um let's just rewind a little bit and say if you had to give a short introduction of roland hill to someone how would you talk about it
1: Okay, so Rowland Hill is a maintained nursery school in Haringey. It's on White Hart Lane, which is one of the most deprived wards in London and in the UK. We've got about one hundred children, 170 children on roll uh, in the school, and then we have a children's centre where there are 900 families locally who are registered and between 200 and 400 families come in and access the children's centre services. We're really lucky in Haringey that the council still fully fund children's centres so there's lots of groups for families and it's a fully integrated centre with um, health colleagues working with families as well. Um, unfortunately there are only 400 maintained nursery schools left in the UK now so we are pretty special and in Haringey we're really lucky lucky to have three maintained nursery schools in the borough we also work with those three maintained nursery schools to provide training and development for early years practitioners and teachers in Haringey and beyond and, and we do that through the Haringey nursery school training consortium which is um, you know it's growing from strength to strength every year
0: great so being an LA maintained nursery school what is How does that stand apart from, a, a let's say, a normal nursery school? And, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about it, um, but are there any things that really... Well, yeah, what does that LA-maintained kind of label mean?
1: Well, so we're in nursery schools, so we're inspected in the same way as a primary school or a secondary school. Uh, we have to have fully qualified teachers, which is different to the private, voluntary and independent sector. Okay. Uh, we also... Um, get a little bit of extra funding um, which supports uh, uh, our inclusion um, and it helps us really drive early years pedagogy um, and to be you know leaders in in the area of learning really.
0: Yeah okay um, so shall we jump into talking a little bit about the Ofsted report then? Yeah we can do. Okay so um, one of my I, I noticed a few things about the report, and um, one of them was that they mentioned that this was a place of joy. <laughs> I love that, um, but what does it mean, and and how did Roland Hill achieve that?
1: Well, as the head teacher, I would say there's nowhere better in the world than a maintained nursery school. On a cold winter's day, on a sunny afternoon, actually. I was over, I was overjoyed that the inspection team saw the joy at Roland Hill. It's interesting because I once heard somebody describe uh, nursery schools as the place where children would want to be, mm. the place where children would want to learn and grow up. And that's what I strive for here at Roland Hill. Mm. Um, we put children in, into the heart of all our decision-making and everything we do. We allow children to be the drivers of their own learning. And we let them wallow in their fascinations here. However, you know, we carefully weave the skills and knowledge children need and prepare them for the next stage in their education. But in essence, there is joy at Roland Hill. And, you know, as the inspection report said, you know, you can hear joy and, and glee and you can hear children and see them being fascinated in the world that they're growing in.
0: Yeah. I like that term wallow in fascination. (laughs) I always think of wallow having, you know, bad connotations, but, but in this uh, instance, it sounds quite good. Okay, great. Um, so another thing that was mentioned was the SEND provision, um, and it was commended by Ofsted. Um, what does that entail that makes it outstanding here?
1: I think we ensure that everyone's included. There are twelve places at Rowland Hill for children with complex needs, and each year, probably between thirty or forty percent of our children are on our SEND register. Um, what I would say is, um, when the when the inspector was walking around, initially, uh, she said, I, "I don't see children with SEND," and, and we sometimes had to point them out to her, mm. and show how we were scaffolding their learning and that's simply because we've really developed our learning environment here to ensure that it's inclusive for all children. Our SENCO works really hard with our key people, with our teachers, to make sure that the teaching is adapted for every individual child to ensure that they are included and they achieve in school. Many of our children go on to special schools and some who have additional deeds do go on to be in mainstream school. But, you know, we really ensure that all of our children are included in our curriculum and are learning every single day.
0: No, that's incredible. And and that sounds really um, great that they couldn't even tell, you know, (laughs) Um, but... um, just going on that, so you said that you know your teaching is adapted, and the staff uh, adapts the teaching, uh, which I know is something that Ofsted wants, but also, you know, can sometimes lead to a lot of extra work. Well, maybe not extra work. Yeah, probably extra work for the staff. Um, so, is that is that an issue sometimes? Or,
1: I think the staff team here are ambitious for children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they see every child as being unique. Hmm. They get to know them, they build relationships with the child and their family before they come in, often through our children's centre, before they come into school. And what we do is really try to hone in on what the child's strengths are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes their next steps, which sometimes are very, very small steps. But I see teachers, key people, our centre assistants, having those strong relationships with families building relationships with children that sometimes are really challenging or have really challenging health needs Mm. which are difficult to manage in the learning environment but actually if you want all children to achieve and you sign up to that Mm. then you will do everything you can to ensure that they're included in school life.
0: Yeah yeah no definitely Um, it just rings some bells for me because I was just doing a presentation on adaptive teaching mm-hmm. with uh, with Fran, and uh, one of the, you know, crucial components was that you have to know the strengths and weaknesses of all your pupils as well as possible. So that's great that that's reflected here as well. <laughs> so... Another thing that came up and and this was something that I was particularly taken by uh, was this love of reading and stories. Um, So there's a a story time here. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so how did that come about and why the emphasis on stories?
1: Well, I think in the early years, it's important for children to develop their speaking and listening skills. You know, being an able communicator and being able to listen and pay attention are key skills for children that they need. And Speaking and listening really is the golden thread that runs through all of learning. Um, we've made early years integral to everything we do here at Rowland Hill. Children hear stories every day, all day, all the time. You can hear stories being read out loud during the morning or the afternoon or talking times at the end of each session. We ensure that we've got attractive book areas and that children love stories and stories are brought to life through puppets and props. Around two years ago we uh, audited our core texts in the school because we really wanted the texts that we used to support early reading to reflect the community that we work in and by doing this what we did was we chose authors from diverse backgrounds, uh, we chose books where the main protagonist, challenge stereotypes and you know an example of this would be something like Ruby's sword or Errol's garden so that when the children are hearing stories and looking at images there are images that they can relate to we use programs like tales toolkit and talk for writing to develop children's knowledge of stories how they are how they work how they're constructed what characters are plots mm. challenges and problems in stories for me, I think what's really wonderful is to walk around the school and see children curled up in the book corner playing at, you know looking at a book or maybe our two year olds or our one year olds just playfully investigating board books. We take stories outside and uh, we you know you'll often see us acting out stories in the garden on rainy days or muddy days but I think what's really wonderful is if I'm just walking through the nursery and I walk past the home corner and there's always a bear, there's always a dog, <laughs> there could be Goldilocks, but children use those stories to play out narratives and they change the plots in the setting, the storyline, and they're really good skills and they're practicing what they've heard and the narratives they've heard in stories so that they'll be able to use those skills as they move through to primary school.
0: Right, yeah, that's really exciting. So not only just kind of listening and taking in the stories, but then reenacting them and kind of doing it in their own way. That's great. Um, So what are some features of your early years curriculum that you're especially proud of? And and what can you say about the curriculum that might not have been included in the Ofsted report?
1: We've spent a lot of time at Rowling Tail, especially... um In the first year I was here thinking about what a good early years curriculum looks like. We have a real careful balance and I feel that we've struck that balance now and perhaps when Ofsted came in it was all going the right way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we have our child-led planning and we plan in the moment for children. So we'll have children who um, it's their focus week or special week, and we plan around their interests. And their key person will look at the next steps in their learning and scaffold for those. Mm. We also have learning experiences that we teach. So re- key skills and knowledge: m- maths, phonics, process cooking, woodwork, art. And so that that's where the balance lies between adult guided learning and child initiated learning. Mm. We also develop children's cultural capital. We offer children rich learning experiences like working with a practising artists every other half term. We take them to galleries, to sculpture parks. We've made connections with Chicken Shed, the local um, inclusive theatre company. And what's wonderful about Chicken Shed is that they have an inclusive team of actors that come and work with our children and they are just fantastic role models. We've met the best of the local community, um, so taking our children to, to to around in Tottenham, so going to Bruce Grove Castle Museum to develop their you know, local history, you know, helping them to be little historians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've made connections with Tottenham and Hotspur Football Club and not just for football, they come and do lots of things with us. Uh, we have a regular slot with Friends of the Earth who come in and work with the children and often people go, really? <laughs> They're kind of two, three and four years old, but I don't right. think there's a there's a better time to start. We, I think we've got an exceptional learning environment here and we've spent a lot of time developing that so that the children truly have choices and they can make choices in their learning. And the inspector was really impressed with our school council and we're amazed that young children have opinions about climate change. So, yeah, you know, we really, we try to develop the whole child here.
0: Incredibly impressive. And actually, there's a few parts of that that I'd love to unpack a little Mm -hmm. bit more. Um, So first of all, so you said you get to go out to like the yep. Bruce Castle Museum yeah. and things like that in the local community. Uh, how often does that happen and is it yeah I mean does that feel like that's a really important part of it, like getting out of the school is a really important part of the curriculum that should be a time should be devoted to <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely it's really important because we can do so much here in school and we did make. You know, best use of opportunities when we couldn't go out during the pandemic, and mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we did things like set up our own YouTube channel here, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, lots of our staff present on on our YouTube channel, and you know, we use technology to take children on virtual tours of museums. But mm-hmm. actually, there's nothing like going out. You know, children under five learn through all of their senses. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that they go out and have hands-on experiences. Equally, some of our families can't afford to take their children to places, and for whatever reason, and it's wonderful for the children to go out and experience the world. And I'm a great believer that there are so many wonderful resources and places in our local community in Haringey and Tottenham. And so it's about showing families where they are and what they can do, you know, outside of the school day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is great. And to build those connections, I'm sure mm-hmm. it just lots of good things happening in the community and in the school. Yeah. That's great. Um, another thing that I was curious about when it comes to the curriculum. Um, so you said striking that balance mm-hmm. of, you know, let's say more maybe traditional style mm-hmm. education and the, the more kind of like exploratory. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of come to that balance, and, and were there any kind of, let's say, philosophical or academic research guides mm. that you you went through to get to that point?
1: Essentially, you want children to be motivated to learn and want to learn, and children are the same as us as adults. They're interested in things that they're interested in. They They talk about things that they want to talk about. Mm. You'll be more interested in learning something that you're interested in. So the staff team here use a planning in the moment approach, where they'll observe the children, they'll see what they're interested in, and then they will scaffold by bringing in additional resources, uh, planning activities uh, to develop the learning environment. Something you know, something very small that a child can do can grow, you know, the learning experience can grow over the week. And so each child has their own focus week and the key person will develop their learning throughout the week. Mm. You know, something as simple as finding a feather in the garden, let's say, that's maybe, you know, come from a passing bird. (laughs) Uh, I recall uh, a learning journey recently with a child who then... By the end of the week, was exploring calligraphy mm. with with their key person because they were interested in feathers. What do feathers do? And then they started looking at feathers in different contexts, and the learning that came from that was you, there was no lid on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the experience grew, and and the family were were so impressed at the end of the week because they didn't realise that their child had this capacity to think in the way that they did. Right. So there are learning experiences that are tailored for every unique learner here at Rowland Hill. But then equally, that it's really important that we think about children as they move through their educational career. They need to be able to, as I talked about earlier, um, develop their speaking and listening skills. They need to develop you know, key skills like being able to count, hold a pencil, have early awareness of phonics and be able to develop their fine and gross motor skills. Mm-hmm. So all those things are the experiences of what we would say are adult guided, where the mm-hmm. adult guides the child through the things that they need for the next step in their education.
0: Right, right. As it's just very impressive that you can um, find that kind of perfect balance between the two, because I, I think that takes a lot of work. <laughs>
1: it's not easy. Yeah. I would agree <laughs> with that. And what I think is the key to our success here is at and Hill is having a highly skilled staff team who mm. really understand the needs of young children and have a, an amazing grounding in child development.
0: Mm. Mm. That's great. Um, I will ask, what might you say to... Other heads uh, of nursery schools especially mm. um, because that would be the most relevant mm. but who are kind of gunning for an outstanding <laughs> um, do you have any advice for them?
1: Yeah I think early education isn't valued by everybody you know the Wall Street Journal wrote 18 months ago about if you want to change society what you have to do is invest in the early years mm-hmm. and I think you know Often nursery schools are described as the jewel in the educational crown because there are more outstanding nursery schools than there are outstanding primary schools and secondary schools. And of course I would say that. I would, <laughs> I would champion early education. But I think it's really important and I think, you know, for leaders in early years, they should really value what they do every day because it's hard work.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think a, most people would very much acknowledge that it is difficult <laughs> um, working with such young children. But like you said, it's it's important. And I think also as, as more cognitive science and, and uh, developments in that field happen, um, people are realizing the importance of this age, right? Anything... Just to not only focus this on heads, anything to um, perhaps parents or pupils of of the school that might be listening?
1: I think the children, it's such an honour to to work with the children here at um, That They're just wonderful and, and it's lovely to work in such a diverse community. The children interest me every day. And I learn things from the children every single day in what they do and what they say, and they challenge my thinking. I think as much as sometimes I challenge theirs. So, yeah, I'm I'm honoured to be the head teacher here.
0: That's lovely. Um, and uh, what you've you've mentioned quite a bit about your your staff and how talented and experienced they are. Um, anything else that you might want to say about them or to them?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they work really hard. And I I tell them that often. (laughs) I really do. I um, really value what they do. And I also talk to them about having an open door in my office. And they're always welcome to come and talk to me. Because I do believe that if you look after the staff, they will look after the children and do the best. We've done a huge program on... Um, well-being over the last two years which has been led by myself and the governing bodies and and one member of staff and we've really thought about what it means to work in a school because there are if you work with children in the early years there's high levels of care which is exhausting sometimes um, as well as planning for their education and that can be hard and we've also you know had some really complex safeguarding situations at Rowland Hill during the last two years and sometimes it's hard to continue and it's hard to think creatively and have the bandwidth (laughs) in your brain to be able to continue to develop and I think it's giving staff opportunities so that they feel that they can be creative and they can take risks in their own learning in the way we would like the children to take risks in their learning. Mm We've developed uh, a program to support well-being here. We have a seasonal calendar of wellbeing experiences for our staff team, mm. um, which we launched 18 months ago in Highgate Gatewood where we did a morning forest bathing.
0: Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: And where the staff kind of went back to learning through their own senses mm. in the way that the children would. Uh, we, there were moments where we looked at the photographs afterwards and we looked like a cult from Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was really good. And, and and actually what the inspector said was the staff love being here. They're really committed to the school and they feel they have life balance because we. I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in life balance okay. and the... The staff team here talked to the inspector about that
0: mm. that's so important i think in any organization but especially like you said in a place that requires kind of high bandwidth and <laughs> high energy and high care that's so important so good um so and then what about the ofsted inspectors um, um what would you say about that experience in itself when the inspectors came in
1: so the inspection was over two days uh the first day the inspectors really challenged senior leaders here Mm. because I was very clear that Roentil is outstanding Mm. and I said that in all the papers that I passed to Ofsted prior to the inspection to the inspectors on on arrival through myself the school development plan uh, the reports that came from colleagues who had been in to support us on our, our journey and they continually said I'm not sure you're outstanding, Sean. And I continually said back, we are outstanding. <laughs> you need to tell me what evidence you need me to provide because I will be arguing with you that mm. we are outstanding unless you are very clear with the, when you tell me what evidence you need. And that was quite hard on the first day. Yeah. <laughs> I had to keep being brave and standing up for what I believed in. Mm-hmm. Um, probably by lunchtime on the second day, she the, the lead inspector was on the same page as me.
0: <laughs> they came around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think what was was <clears throat> really good was the the team inspector was a practising head teacher, mm. and we didn't have to be so explicit with her. Okay. Um, she instantly could see what we were trying to do and she made connections between our curriculum and what she could see when she was observing the children mm. and i think the the evidence that they collected between them actually probably by the lunchtime on the second day they realized that we were an outstanding school mm. so i think if i if i was giving advice to another head teacher i would say Stand up for what you believe in and know your school really well and be able to articulate the story of your school and essentially your curriculum. Because during the two days, they would say, I don't quite get that. I don't understand your curriculum. And the more talking I could give, the more evidence I could present, finally, they said, actually, your curriculum is outstanding.
0: Hmm, interesting, so you had to kind of build that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: over the two days it really was a picture that was built over the two days through um, looking at evidence, through conversation with different staff from our centre assistants to our outreach workers to our teachers to senior leaders and then observing the children at play and the Hmm. staff interacting with them. Right,
0: right. No, that, that is interesting. And I think that will be helpful to, to, for other head teachers to know. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. I suppose I should ask one more question. Okay. Obviously, no pressure on that. But uh, has HEP been uh, helpful or instrumental at all in um, supporting the school?
1: I think HEP have been fantastic in supporting the school in lots of different ways, through the briefings that they provide for us each week, through the work um, with different consultants. We've worked with Dr. Julie Fisher Mm. uh, in the last two years and she wrote the book, um, Interacting or Interfering. And a lot of the work that we did with her was reflected in the observations that the inspectors took during the inspection. I would say Fran and James have been a huge support to myself as the head teacher and um, Fran has worked really hard with preparing me for the inspection through (laughs) dummy phone calls, (laughs) digging questions, (laughs) pushing me and, you know, putting me in a com- uncomfortable positions at times and asking me the questions so that actually when the inspector was there ready mm-hmm. to ask me those questions, I'd already got a model answer in my back pocket ready to go. Nice.
0: <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> All right. So your school did achieve an outstanding grade. We've covered that already. But um, that is no minor feat. And uh, <laughs> what are some of the things that the offset report might have... Maybe not missed, but um, just not mentioned, or uh, yeah, maybe just overlooked. And the things that you would like to say: Hey, at Roland Hill, this is what we, this is what we stand for. So, are there, are there some things?
1: I think we're very ambitious for children at Roland Hill. Um, we're ambitious for ourselves, you know, the staff team. We're ambitious for the children and their families and the stakeholders having a school and a children's centre. I think we've got a real clear vision and what we always strive to achieve is that families feel they belong here, that Roland Hill is a, a key part of the local community and that there is a sense of belonging. I think what's really apparent when you come in and when you see families arriving in the morning is the strong relationships that families have with the staff here That they feel that their child is really is known to the people who care and educate them every day. And sometimes when things are difficult, and perhaps there may be safeguarding issues, or there may be difficult conversations to be had with families, that's okay. That's Mm. okay because of those strong, trusted relationships. And I don't say that lightly because they, they don't happen overnight. They take a lot of work. Families, when they trust you, will listen when there are difficult situations. Mm. I also think one of our strengths is how there is a continuity of care for children. We offer flexible childcare for families who are returning to education or the workplace. And we'd really work hard again to ensure that there's a good balance between care and education and we've got really strong routines and boundaries so even the youngest child their care needs are met but they're learning all the time Mm -hmm. we make the best of everyday learning opportunities the other thing that we did a lot of training around uh, probably in the probably in the first lockdown we really took advantage of (laughs) that time when we were (laughs) working in bubbles and colleagues were working from home was we did a lot of reading around developing children's language and improving mm. our adult child interaction skills so that we develop vocabulary but scaffold learning in the moment mm. for children i think really all the decisions we make are based on research which stands up that has integrity and you know any decisions we make in our school development plan are really based on academic research Mm. and everything that we do we have children at the heart of the decisions that we make that is a challenge sometimes with the financial pressures on schools at the moment and i think for myself and the other senior leaders in the school and the governing body we've had to be courageous at times Mm. and you know not everybody holds early years education in the place but we do right right. (laughs) and they don't value it in the same way and actually you learn most between birth and your fifth birthday you know your your brain is three quarters the size it would be as an adult before your fifth birthday and so it's really important that we focus on children's early learning i mean for uh, for us we want to prepare the children for the world that they're growing up in and uh we joke when we say we would like to have the greenest school in London. <laughs> mm. um, but I think if we go back to basics, there's a really small window in life where you can jump in puddles, taste snowflakes, make a mud pie. And that time is really, really precious. Mm. And I think we let children have those experiences here at Rowland Hill that set them on a good trajectory for life.
0: that's fantastic and that seems like a very nice ending note (laughs) well um thank you again thank you That was Sean McDermott speaking about Roland Hill Nursery School and Children's Center and its most recent Ofsted Inspection, for which it received a grade of outstanding. To find out more about what Roland Hill does, check out the blog post on HEP's website. The link is in the show notes. HEP Talks will be back soon with many more exciting interviews, so don't forget to subscribe if you enjoyed the episode. Every Monday, we also host the HEP Brief, with myself and Maya Cardwell bringing you up to date with all the latest in education. Until next time, I'm Luke Kemper, and thank you for listening to Hep Talks.